Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Trans Questioning Podcast. I'm your host, Sarah, and today we have a very special episode. I had a conversation with YouTuber May Leitz, and we covered a lot of ground with this episode. We talked about gender experimentation and going to high school and plot holes and emotional media criticism and Halloween. As you've already probably seen, this is a fairly long episode, so I'm going to get out of your way and let you hear it. But first, just a quick content warning we do discuss suicidal thoughts. It's a brief mention and we don't get like too far into the weeds about it, but we do talk a little bit about like depression and getting bullied and some other stuff like that. So just be aware. All right, that's me. Uh, Enjoy the episode. I'm a professional. Right. I know what I'm doing. <laughs> Internet professionals, we all uh, we all are very are very good at what we do. It's it's great. So I'm here with May Leitz. Is that right? Yeah, Leitz. Leitz? That's right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, also known as Nick's Fears, the YouTube show um, slash persona. I guess I don't know how that how you feel about that. I mean, it's. I guess I like to think that it's kind of like a like a. Uh, a show. I almost said children's show, but then I remembered that it's definitely not for children. <laughs> so yeah. So we're gonna go with it's a show on the internet. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely a show. It's it's it, it exists on the internet, which means it's probably not safe for anybody, right? Um, so may you. Uh, historically have focused on like horror movies and doing sort of reviews of horror movies and you have a very I guess it's safe to call it like Halloween chic yeah kind of aesthetic <laughs> yeah it's that's a very very good way of putting it I can't remember how recently it's been, it was uh you you came out to the world as trans on Twitter you came out before um b- before you did on YouTube yeah I've been out for like th- four five months on Twitter and well maybe longer than that it might be six months now I can't I can't fucking remember but um I've been out on YouTube for like two weeks or a week Yes. Yeah. I I imagine. So one of the things that I want to talk to you about is uh, what it's like to have an established YouTube following because you've you've oh, been yeah. making videos for a while now. It seems like it there might be some issues coming out as trans when you already have a bit of a following. Oh yeah. I mean, um, well, okay. So well, I gotta say, kind of off the bat here, that it was surprisingly all right. Like I was more worried about it that being bad than it ended up being so it was more like i i just a lot of people already basically knew and then there was a lot of support but i mean there was a lot of like uh i don't know you know you know what to expect it's it's uh <laughs> you know the same kind of bullshit it's it's either we don't support you and here's all the reasons why or um or we do support you you're cool like Blair White and you're like oh no fuck wrong <laughs> no, person don't don't compare me to her no. yeah and it's like what happened oh god you know it's like surely surely that's not what you think about this nice show I have about loving things like I don't know but you get what I'm saying yeah so it was it was about as expected yeah well that's good so f- first of all I want to congratulate you on moving to Austin I don't live in Austin. I live in Fort Worth. Oh, I thought you moved to Austin. No, okay. I want to move to Austin, but uh, it was too expensive. 
So yes. I so I moved. That was my that was my thought when you were talking about it. it was like Austin's a, not a cheap place to live. Oh yeah, no, definitely. Um, which is why I'm like, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna move out and I'm gonna give it a year and hopefully I can accrue enough uh revenue to move somewhere, you know, actually pretty cool. Yeah. <sighs> Yeah. So. Fort Worth uh, is my favorite place in the DFW area. Yeah, mine too, easily. It's the only place yeah. where anybody knows how to fucking drive. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> uh, I went to high school in Arlington. I know you lived there. Whoa, what? I didn't know that. I went to, what, yeah, which I, high school did you go to? Uh, oh, fuck. I went to. Oh, wow. Wow. That's when gra- wild. When did you graduate? Uh, 2011. Okay. I graduated 2008. So. Oh, wow. Not even that far. Wow. We probably lived in yeah. Arlington around the same time. Yeah, I that's was amazing. There. I had no idea. <laughs> Have we talked about this before? This is in, this is incredible news. <laughs> uh, I think I mentioned it to you uh, in a DM at one point, oh, like a long time ago or something. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Stuff slips out of my brain. I guess. Yeah. So I lived there. I kind of lived around the DFW area for a long time. I. Um, yeah, I think I moved there in like 2003 and I was there until 2008 and then I moved back and I was there from like 09 to 10 and then I moved to Oklahoma and I've been here. Oh, so since. you're in Oklahoma. Oh, I'm so sorry. Yes. Yeah, it's not great. I mean, I'm in I'm in Norman, which is like the best place to be yeah. in Oklahoma. Or it's Tulsa, a, I guess. I don't know. I don't know how Tulsa is anymore, but I remember back <sighs> when I used to go to Tulsa all the time, it was like a college town, but I don't know. Probably yeah. not so much anymore. Yeah, Tulsa Tulsa's all right. I I, I, don't, I haven't spent much time there. Yeah, that's fair. Why 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 would you? I mean <laughs> What's it it's really far away. Yeah, it is. It's like it's like, well, it's the farthest, pretty much, from like the, the general <laughs> Oklahoma is a shitty shaped place. It is. It's it's a mistake of a of a state. It is. <laughs> Texas isn't much better though, so I, I don't know. No. But but like I lived in Oklahoma briefly. Um, okay. So I lived in Norman. So oh, I, wow. yeah, ironically, when I, I lived with my dad uh, in in Norman for for a little while, and uh, yeah, it sucked. I hated it. There's nowhere on earth that I've liked to be. I don't get this. Arlington is such a shitty place, and I have friends who still live there who I went mm. to high school with, and I don't get how they're still there. Yeah, I don't either. I don't understand. It's, I was like, oh fuck, the second I finish this degree, I'm I'm running as far away from Arlington as I can. Yeah. Yeah. I know they've they they've been developing it a lot. I feel like every time I go through there, they've made it look like more yuppie place yeah without actually improving it they've added shopping malls for people from out of town yeah if it was if it was possible to make it a worse kind of like uppity rich place (laughs) then they've succeeded because now it's insufferable yeah and before it was Uh, bad anyway (laughs) harlington yeah i was (laughs) i was there when they started construction on the stadium Oh, okay. and uh, yeah. that was that was a that was a bad thing yeah. in general. Yeah, just all around the the traffic coming from the stadium is like it's so unbearable. Like you can get stuck in three hours of traffic if you just leave your house. Yeah, it's terrible. Ironically, ironically, I'm going to Arlington today to go pick up some shit that I left there. Oh, I'm oh. not looking forward to it. <laughs> 
No, of course not. I I never. The only thing I look forward to about Arlington is uh, uh, Dino's subs. Mm, I don't know if you've mm-hmm. ever eaten there. There, I, I have fantasies about those sandwiches. Everybody loves Dino's. Yeah, yeah, yeah everybody. They're, loves they're Dino's. my favorite. It's the only good thing in Arlington. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's like right in the neighborhood where I used to live, which is kind of I, I don't know if it's still the case, but it was sort of the like the poor people quarter where everything was sort of run down. Ironically, I lived in that same area that I oh, wow. like in that kind of general vicinity by Dinos. Like, yeah. Oh wow. Yeah, that's really funny. Yeah, I I guess we shouldn't dox ourselves and say exactly where we lived, no, but we no. did live very close by. <laughs> yeah, that's really funny. Yeah, it is. So when I went to high school, it was like I can't remember how many, but it was it was a plurality of thousands yeah. who were in my class. Yeah, yeah, uh, or in in the school altogether. Yeah, and um, going to school here in Oklahoma getting to know people there's a lot of people like oh yeah my graduating class was like 12 people because everybody's <laughs> you know lived in these small towns because everybody dropped out <laughs> yeah and they so they talk they talk about their experience of you know being queer in a, a small town and how hard that is oh god i can't even imagine that no but I had like I, I I'm wondering what your experience was because for me it was almost the opposite thing where I was never really bullied I never I didn't there wasn't any sort of engagement with like the wider population of the school in general it was just like this giant mass of humans yeah and I had a handful of friends that we just sort of like grabbed onto each other amid this tidal wave. And um, it felt like such a homogenous environment that I could never, I never felt comfortable experimenting in anything at all. Yeah. Weirdly enough. Yeah. Yeah. It took me forever to like, deprogram a lot of the shit that I learned there. I don't know what your experience was like. Well, I definitely relate to that. How, you know, the idea of like uh, having to deprogram because there's a lot of that, like that shit you have to do, especially growing up. I think it's just part of it is growing up in a like a pretty conservative place. Um, yeah. But even like the thing is, even your liberal friends uh, or your your left leaning friends are all conservative in a in in a lot of ways like you know they'll they'll yeah. go uh they'll go uh, a little bit towards one direction but they won't actually advocate for like a lot of you know the 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 actual progressive stuff you know um so it's like an inch is a mile uh in <laughs> in in arlington texas but um my experience i was bullied um i was clear i was qu- clearly queer um, but I was not out in any sort of way. Um, my relationships with men were not good, uh, bad mm. friends, uh, <sighs> like all of my friends always, you know, beat up on me because I was the, uh, I was the beta of the group. You know what I mean? Oh, uh, I was the, uh, yeah. I was the queer one or whatever, you know? So I got, yeah. I got the shit, you know, I got treated like shit. And so that sucked. But then after I kind of like called him out on it and I was like, I don't want this to happen anymore. Then it was like this shunning experience where I just like I lost yeah. everybody. And then when when you don't have anybody around, like it's a lot harder to experiment safely because, you know, all you're you're stuck with your family and your family doesn't get you. 
and you don't really have any friends that are like, you should try this thing or you should do this or, you know, if you want to be that way, you go be that way. You know what I mean? So it's, it was more like isolation and just terror, I guess, is a way of putting it. But I, I don't mean to be like a complete downer, though, because I did have like friends uh, that were women. I was I was friends with a lot of women and uh they were amazing to me like they would always take me out shopping and uh we would do uh-huh. you know we would do fun wholesome things that didn't involve like people yelling about sex and hitting each other you know um <laughs> so yeah i don't know i i mean i've been through i've been through some shit but for the most part i i think that all of that was very formative because it made me kind of resilient in the way that I currently am where like I feel like after coming out well actually I guess for the last like six months so yeah I guess after coming out but I just don't take shit anymore I I don't know how you feel about that but I don't take shit at all like anybody (laughs) gives me shit I don't I don't mince words like fuck you like I don't (laughs) it could be a family (laughs) member like I don't know I just have like burn the bridges I don't give a shit uh just in the relationships I don't care um and I know that's probably bad to to do maybe I'll get over it maybe it's part of this like (laughs) the second pubescent phase that I'm going through or whatever but Um, but also I think that it has a lot to do with the fact that I've just been through a lot of shit in my life and I'm just sick and tired of tolerating that. So Mm -hmm. I don't know. I think, I think that, uh, Arlington did, uh, did, uh, form me in a lot of ways, in a lot of probably bad ways, but also probably good ways. Um, and I would never uh, recommend being bullied to somebody, but <laughs> there is an inadvertent effect of whenever you finally transcend that environment, you know what it looks like and you're willing to fight against it because you realize how important that is. So that's a big part of like who I am, I guess. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, I fuck. I was bullied a lot when I was in elementary school mm-hmm. and I it should have been pretty i think it was pretty clear to my mom that i was fairly queer yeah. in some way but i was in extreme denial oh yeah and it took me forever to get over that and yeah i had friends thank god for for female friends mm-hmm. a lot of my guy friends were probably more sensitive than folks that you knew i feel like i got really lucky but there were several women that I knew who were some of the healthiest relationships I ever had. And I'm still friends with them. And, um, about like not taking shit. I, I'm still like mincing about with my family. Uh, thankfully most of them have been really supportive, but there's a, uh, I don't know. I I have a hard time because I don't have a lot of family and I, I feel I, I, it's it's hard for me to like cut them out of my life. No, I totally get it. I think a big part of it is like, well, okay, so I, I mean, I hope nobody ever hears this. <laughs> that's in my family. <laughs> I don't think they ever will. Um, that which is good. But uh, but uh, I just straight up just created another Facebook, and oh, just yeah. and just added like the people that I actually care about, and I was like, oh now my life is better. Like, you know, yeah. I don't have to deal with, uh, constantly reading this bullshit on my timeline. So, and also I don't have to deal with like the awkward, Oh, I'm so hello everybody on Facebook, including people that like me and hate me. Uh, I'm going yeah. to now change my name. You know, it's like, 
it's a nightmare. So I just was like, fuck that. I'll just create a new one. So <laughs> would recommend that uh, just completely uh, detaching yourself from all past social medias. Yeah. <laughs> Which is much harder to do when you have a following, but, but you know. Yeah, I can imagine. So how long have you known that you were trans? That's the, uh, isn't that the golden question? Um, yeah. Well, okay, because, so let me tell you this. So the other day I was at the mall and I, I ran into another trans person um, which happens very occasionally and is super cool when it does happen. But, uh, and, and they were like, are you non-binary or, you know, what's <laughs> up? And I was like, no, I'm, I'm, I'm a trans woman. And they were like, oh shit. You know, and it, it became that, that overjoyed moment of oh, one of us, yeah. one of us, you know, that, that sort of <laughs> yeah. thing. And, uh, so we got to talking or whatever and, and, um, and, uh, they were like, well, well, how long have you known? And, you know, I was like, well, I mean, I, I guess a year, you know, and they're like a year. Well, I've known my entire life, you know, and it's like, it's like, well, 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 how long have I known? Well, when I was a kid, there was a story of, of like, my grandma told me I was going to have body hair and I cried for days. (laughs) So like how long have I known, you know, it's like, it's inherent to my identity. So it's always been there, but how long have I accepted that information? You know, uh, I stopped living in the denial that I had, or I, I, I mean, I think a lot of like queer people and trans people literally just don't know it's a thing. Like they don't understand that it's a thing. That's that's yes. sort of something I say in the coming out videos. Like, you know, you're you're always used to pointing over there and being like, those people, you know, those people that I don't understand. I don't understand why they yeah. do what they do. Um, but then once you do understand, you go, Hey, I'm actually like that a lot. And then you're like, Holy shit, I really connect with that. And then, you know, you go, Oh shit, now I have to assimilate with a different like a whole different thing, you know? And it's so, so it's like, it's this complicated thing. So like, when did I know, you know, when I was a child, I guess, but when did I know capital? Yeah. No, like, I guess like last year. And it wasn't like this, this, this moment of like, holy shit, I'm trans. You know, it was a, um, it was a gradual, I made friends with trans people and I made a movie about, about, Uh, gender identity and then i started exploring that more and then i started you know being aware of like a lot of the dysphoria that i've had my entire life that i just haven't acknowledged and you know i i mean i knew i had dysphoria but i didn't know to call it dysphoria you know you just think you're miserable or depressed or something (laughs) you know yeah it's much easier to say oh i'm i'm uh miserable than it is to say i'm dysphoric like it's a very specific kind of misery so Um, when I acknowledged all that, it was like, it was like, fuck, I'm, I'm in the wrong body. (laughs) Like, I need to get out of this body. This is what's, this is what's doing it. And like, the other thing is like, I have pretty severe anxiety or I had pretty severe anxiety. So much of my life, like I was really pent up, like my, my, uh, I was just I was just constantly looking for like any excuse to uh, to release stress because I was just always so stressed out and I never really understood why or whatever. But 
uh, since starting HRT like a month and a half ago or whatever, I feel none of that. Like it's completely gone. So, wow. Yeah, it's magical shit. But I just I mean, I still have anxiety, obviously, but like uh, I I just I don't feel this like pent up like something's wrong and there's nothing I can do feeling you know i know exactly what you mean yeah i'm two months on hrt myself Mm. and uh it's it's strange the things that i hoped would change versus the things that have yeah it's it's so hard to like pay attention to how your psychology is different right because it just sort of is this slow transition yeah where i i kind of just like walking around realize like huh I'm not melting apart inside from yeah. this like crushing endless universe without meaning or purpose. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's a, it's such <laughs> a strange thing, but I think a, another thing, and I guess this is kind of a question I have for you is like, I don't know at about the, the one month on HRT, uh, step, I was still, I mean, I was feeling a lot better, but I still wasn't feeling you know, physically like a woman, you know what I mean? Um, yeah, but then I don't know, I'm a month and a half, a little over a month and a half in now. And I feel like a woman now, like, I don't know. I, I don't feel like I, uh, could pass really or something like that. You know, I don't think I'm that, I'm that far, but I do. I just feel like, I don't know. I don't feel like I'm even a little bit of a man anymore, which is, I mean, pretty good, a good feeling. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. That that's really because that was the that was maybe the the thing that was terrifying. Right. Um, the idea of like that, that latching onto that identity forever. And then the second that that's gone, it's just like, hey, I feel right now. You know, everything feels good. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. It's 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 quite an experience. It's been quite a ride and I'm glad that, you know, there's still a lot more to go. I know that like at three months, like, you know, you look back at, at when you're at two months and you're like, who's that girl? You know, like, (laughs) you know, it's completely different. So I don't know. Um, it's, it's, uh, it's been a wild ride, I guess. One of the biggest struggles for me too, is sort of internalizing the thought like, Oh, I'm a woman. I, uh, I've agonized about that on this podcast quite a bit, actually. Oh, yeah. And, uh, it's, it's always been this big question of like, it's one thing to know, yes, I'm trans, but it's another thing to sort of realize like what that actually means. Yeah. Cause I was, I was very deep in the closet for a long time and I've, I feel like I litigate this every single episode, so I won't like go into it too much, but it was almost exactly a year ago. I just happened to see a bunch of different things at the same time, like contrapoints, dysphoria video and Mm. stuff like that, that made me realize like, Oh, I think that's me. You need to see experiences that reflect your own to sort of realize that it's even a possibility for you. Oh yeah. I mean, yeah. And I know that it's like problematic and bad for people to be like, to sit you down and say you're an egg and you need to hatch, you know? Um, I I think (laughs) that's really bad. But at the same time, I heard that a lot throughout my entire life forever. You know, I've had queer friends, (laughs) I've had queer friends that were like, you're not a straight guy, you know? (laughs) <laughs> and I was like, well, ah, you know, and I was like, well, I'm not yeah. really into men, though. And they're like, well, 
you know, just keep your options open, you know, but, but <laughs> eventually those, those voices start to make sense, I guess. But, but I don't know. I think that we should engage stuff like this, like these ideas, um, to their, uh, to their details, you know, it's like, um, on the whole, you know, if you ask somebody who identifies currently as a man, if they identify as a woman, they're going to say, no, I identify as a man. But if you, you know, ask them, well, you know, on a margin of details, how do you feel about being a man? Like, here's the things that come with being a man. How do you feel about those things? Then you're like, oh, yeah, I don't like any of those. And you're like, yeah, you're like, so I'm trying my best here, but I, I hate being a man. But, you know, I would never say that I'm anything other than what I am. You know what I mean? And and then the second that you kind of break that barrier and you engage it at its details, you're like, oh, wow, I've been not right my whole life. It's it's kind of fascinating that I'm not dead. Like that's that's yeah, that's sort of I have my the same vibe. feeling. It's like sometimes <laughs> I wake up and I'm just like. I have no fucking idea how I'm not dead. Like, how did I not kill myself? Like, it was so bad. Yeah, literally the... uh, So I went through like a two-week period of researching transgender as a thing because I had always just assumed, no, I'm not that because that's, you know, uh, a woman trapped in a man's body and I don't feel like that. And then as I researched more versions of that experience and saw more and more like, oh, this is what I am. Literally like the thing that internalized it was like, oh fuck, I think I have something to live for now. Yeah. Like the, the the very first time in a very long time, I felt like, oh hey, I have a reason to be in the driver's seat now. Yeah. It it's literally that feeling though. It's like I'm going to now be in the driver's seat of my life. You know, it's like it's 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 a lot more than just transitioning. It's like taking control. It's like shutting the automatic switch off of in your car and and you're you're controlling the car now you know um yeah there was something that somebody said to me that really had a lot of impact on me and every time like a young trans person reaches out to me with anxieties and whatever and like am i really trans and stuff like that i always tell them this it's uh there's a scenario where uh if you could imagine your life with no other people in it like the entire world is completely gone and all the resources are yours and you can be anything in the entire world that has ever existed and it's all you you know you can you could be you can choose your gender you can choose your sexuality you can i mean i'm i obviously it's not a choice but you get what i'm saying here um yeah is like if you could make those decisions for yourself with nobody around what would you pick you know what would you would you want to be named? What's your named? Or would you want to choose a different name? You know, would you want to be a man or a woman or what do you want to be? You know, and so when I imagined that scenario like a long time ago, I was just like, well, I would definitely rather live as a woman <laughs> if no one was yeah. around. And I was like, and I definitely would have a different name and I definitely would like feel no uh anxiety you know towards dating women or whatever and then like the next stage of that is to imagine that all these people come back and now you know you assimilate yourself with them 
as the identity as if no one was around and like that's truly the uh the you know living your best life or whatever is is the living the life that you would live if no one was around um yeah because it's socialization uh that that holds us back from everything you know it's like it's like you know that's what i mean by like no being trans isn't really a choice you know it's like the second you find out it's like it's like everything that you've ever wanted to know about yourself was suddenly known and then you know you can't go back from there it's like it's always going to be there and and it's not a choice in any way but like you can choose to find out like you can choose to look into it and you can choose to abandon the socialization and actually really have a dialogue with yourself about what that means and that's what really changed my life is like accepting the fact that all of the socialization is bullshit and doesn't matter it's it's up to you what do you think you know what do you think um man yeah i don't know i think that's i think that's the really heavy stuff that that really makes people go <laughs> you know you t- you tell that to a uh to a someone who's questioning their gender and they're suddenly like fuck you know i yeah. i get it now yeah that's really good advice yeah so use that one on your next questioning trans person <laughs> who reaches out to you you know yeah I, I really like that. Um, I very recently changed my name to Sarah on a bunch of different things, like uh, for, particularly on Facebook. That was the big thing, because like a lot of people, you know, um, I really only use Facebook to post inflammatory political things <laughs> and to uh, keep up with my family. Yeah. Because nobody uses phones anymore. Yeah. And I uh, uh, changed my name on there and kind of made a big to do about it. And um, everybody was really supportive, which I, I was happy about. But a lot of people were asking me, how did you figure out your name? And it's a it's an interesting question because for in my case, I almost didn't figure it out it just sort of dropped into my lap like i don't know like a like, just like a weird gift from the sky yeah uh so I'm, I'm curious how you arrived at may and you're even changing your last name yeah i am um and i know a lot of people don't do that but i i i just have never liked my last name i think that that it upon changing my name like well <sighs> The thing is, it's it's one of those things where where I think that once you hear a word and you identify with the word and you imagine, I think I love the idea of um, radical possibilities. It's something I talk on my on my channel about uh, a lot, which is like if you were to radicalize this idea, how drastically would it change everything? Um, So it's like I I uh, I constantly weigh the radical possibilities of every idea that I get (laughs) because I'm like, okay, so if my name were this and I was identifying this way, how drastically would that change my life? And I was like, wow, that would make me a lot happier. So, you know, it's just kind of, you weigh those possibilities, I guess. But, but, um, the name may just is a shortened version of my dead name. Uh, okay. but also like it's, it's one of my favorite months. Um, <laughs> and and it's like spring is my favorite season other than like fall i guess and so it just it it felt kind of like this uh sort of awakening time i think uh of spring you know it, it just thematically kind of goes with yeah. with what's happening with me so it just kind of made sense and then uh and then leets is a 
I don't I don't know the origins exactly. I can't remember right now, but uh it it basically translates to something like uh, you know, uh nutrition or for the people. Uh so the idea there is that that I um you know, I want to be good for the world. Like I don't want to be I don't want to ever cause damage to the world. Like that's one of my big things is like I always want to want to do something that's good for the world. Uh even if I'm never remembered for it, you know, I just I want to be a good thing that exists, you know. <laughs> um Yeah. And so I feel like it's a name that I can live up to, you know? It's like I can mm-hmm. live up to that idea of like being good for the world. Um but but also like my dead last name uh, you know it just my my extended family the people who own it you know they're racists um <laughs> and they're they're awful and I, I they historically have been awful and i just don't really want to have that associated with with the way that i think about myself you know so it's it's all about uh changing the way you think about yourself and so yeah that's yeah that's that's where I, that's how i arrived there uh that's really good <laughs> well like i don't mean to do this like i i feel like i do this a lot where where people ask me about it and then i have like a a, a very good reason you know a legitimate reason or whatever and then they're like well fuck i just picked this name you know or something like that yeah. uh, a lot of you you know and it's but the thing is like I think that these things are, are inherent in all of us, like in the way that we pick our name. The reason we connect with something is because of something very specific that meant something to us. And even if we can't yes. articulate it, which the only difference between me and anybody else is like, I'm practiced at articulating why things mean things to me. That's the only reason <laughs> I have a fucking job. Like, that's all I do. Yeah. So like, yeah, I have good reasons or whatever, but we all have good reasons. And I just like I just have like very specific reasons why I I can articulate that uh, in an interesting way, I guess. But but like that's definitely not to devalue anybody else's name because they're all wonderful. And I'm super happy that anybody is thinking about this in in uh, in a radical way. So that's that's yeah. <laughs> that's that. Well, you you had your your coming out video which I really liked. I loved your outfit in that. Oh, thank you. You said that it went better than you were expecting, but I still, I can't imagine the anxiety of of having a, a, a relatively large fan base of people that you're like, okay, I have to measure this in a way where they're not gonna lose their shit, but also like get the idea across. Yeah. But after after you after you did that video, you talked a little bit on Twitter about um, this dysphoric trigger about, I guess, the shape of your head and like your hairline and and how you've always worn hats. Yeah, I <laughs> uh, I empathize with that quite a bit. Yeah, yeah, I know you wear a lot of hats too. Yeah, I uh, I have really thinning hair. It's a gift from my dad, and yeah. one of the big barriers for me of like accepting that I was trans was just like, oh, I'll never be able to grow my hair out. And that's such a big part of like passing. Yeah. But then uh, with research discovering that HRT often actually reverses hair loss, which is wild. Yeah, it is wild. But um, I've noticed in a lot of your in, in some of your selfies lately, you're not always wearing hats. So I wanted to ask how. How how have how have your feelings about your your body sort of changed and and how much of that is like conscious effort versus just like being comfortable? Yeah. Okay. Well. Um. So, 
That's a big question. So uh, I know. So okay, preface uh, to talk about to talk about that specific brand of dysphoria. Uh, it's always kind of been that way. Uh, I as far back as I remember, you know, I, I started wearing hats in high school, um, and I never knew why. I never knew why I started wearing hats. I just you know unconsciously just started doing it, and then throughout later high school, you know, it started to get to where I would get really anxious if I didn't have a hat. Like if I, even by myself, like if I was just looking at myself by myself, I would get scared and I didn't know why I couldn't figure it out. It was, you know, it wasn't necessarily that I didn't look, you know, somewhat normal, I guess, or whatever. Uh, you know, I, I mean, it's gotten worse with age because, you know, that's just something that happens, but, um, yeah, but, uh, you know, it, it just it peaked to this point where it was like a fact of life, you know, like in my 20s, early 20s, it was just a fact of life. Like I just, yep, every day wore a hat and, you know, it wasn't really that big of a style choice or anything. It wasn't something that I wanted to do, but it was just something that I could not do. Like it was just I was attached to that idea and I've always been attached to that idea and um, so to kind of talk about why I'm not wearing them now, I kind of need to talk about this sort of thing that happened and okay, well, it's, and it's not a new thing. It's something that people have done to me a long time, but it's something that happened to me, uh, with a really close friend very recently and it fucked me up. So I'm trans and angry. Um, <laughs> okay, no, I'm not. I'm not that angry. But, but, um, okay. But like, people would always, you know, ask, "What's under the hat? What's the deal? Do you have horns? Are you ugly? What's the problem? Are you wearing a uh, wig? Yeah. You know, you challenge social norms, and people always come for blood. But, um, mm-hmm. you know, and then it would be a game. You know, take off the hat and and fuck up the person that you know, doesn't want to take it off. You, you get what I'm saying. It's, it's this fucking yeah. stupid dude, bro bullshit, you know? And yes. so I hate that. And that's happened to me my entire yeah. life. But so, uh, well, not to get into too much internet drama, but, uh, Nick Nocturne, the, uh, the night mind host mm-hmm. came to visit me and he did that same fucking thing. Um, and it, it was like, you know, historically, this is something that's happened to me a lot. And so just somebody who was like a, a pretty close friend of mine doing that to me, like fucking sucked. Uh, it really fucking sucked. And I acknowledge the fact that it's not me, it's them. You know, it's it's everybody else is the problem. It's not me. But yeah, but at the same time, it's like. I gotta get over this somehow, you know, I, I gotta find a way to get over this because like, I can't let people have a thing on me that they can use against me. You know, like it's just, yeah. I, it's like having that vulnerability there is just, it's just pain. It's only ever going to be just pain. So like the reason that I've been trying to embrace, like I cut myself or I cut my hair into bangs and whatever it's not great it doesn't look that great 99% of the time i'm really unhappy about the way that it looks but 
trying. I'm trying and I'm taking pictures and I'm posting them on the internet and then I'm like running away from my phone, you know, I'm like posting them and being like, there it is, it's out there and I have to deal with that. You know, I'm outing myself, you know, I'm forcing myself <laughs> to do it so that if it ever happens to me, it's not going to completely ruin my life um, like it yeah. always does. And so, you know, it's a it's a mixture between acknowledging a problem, but also, you know, I, I understand that it's a it's society's problem, but I have to take it back for myself. Um, so so I guess to answer your question, um, how my dysphoria has changed uh, it hasn't really, I mean, there, uh, you know, in, in certain circumstances. And in fact, I would say that in some circumstances, it's made me slightly feel a little bit more vulnerable because I think that I, I'm getting closer to looking like I want to look, but there's still these like certain things that are holding me mm -hmm. back and it's, it's really fucking bad. Um, but that yeah. said comfort in my body is a lot better like like generally yeah. like when i look at myself i don't look at myself with like these hateful judging kind of eyes like i used to you know before it was like without a hat i couldn't even look at myself you know yeah and, and now i can look at myself and i can think about that and i can kind of be like i'm i'm getting sort of cute i think maybe you know <laughs> uh but you know and i other people are still a problem like i still can't do that with other people but um but i'm trying to get over it for myself and that's my biggest hurdle to be honest um like like sometimes i look at my legs and i'm like i have really fucking fantastic legs like these <laughs> these legs are fucking great but, you know, but then, um, you know, I'm like, I'm I got great legs. If I could just make this face work, you know, <laughs> uh, yeah. So so, you know, um, but I don't yeah. know. It feels like I've become this weird like art project to myself in a, in a weird way where where I look at myself and I'm just like, OK, well, this is what you look like today. But tomorrow you're going to look just a little bit different and just a little bit different. It's just going to keep on that sort of string of go in that that direction and and then one day it's going to be really fulfilling and you're not even going to notice anymore and that's really keeping me together right now so yeah i mean the the problem is that when there's when there's a core thing that's so dysphoric for you that you cannot even cope with the idea of it that like it that that thing is going to take time like that thing yes. is just is not going to just go away. Whereas, you know, the rest of it, you know, my legs, my arms, uh, even like my chest, you know, I don't have boobs really. Um, but, but like my chest doesn't upset me because I know that, you know, it'll probably get better, but something yeah. that's like really, really dysphoric that you think, God, you know, am I going to have to have, Am I going to have to surgery? You know, what am I going to have to fucking do <laughs> to fix this? Yeah. And how am I going to afford that? And, you know, and you go down the anxiety rabbit hole. Um, it's just that kind of stuff is is always going to be scary until until it just fixes itself. So I'm trying to I'm doing this thing where I'm like, OK, if I don't feel better about it in a year's time, then I will get surgery. But I have to give myself a year to see yeah and so you know but i'm thinking about that a lot and 
Mm-hmm. You know, I would rather be thinking about other things. You know, I'd rather be thinking about, you know, what I'm going to have for dinner or whatever. But instead, I'm thinking about, you know, whether or not I'm going to need surgery in a year, you know. So that <laughs> that kind of fucking sucks. But other than that, you know, sure. other than that, like the rest of my body, I feel pretty much perfectly content with and like content. I mean, not, you know, euphoric, but but right. content. I can live with this. Yeah. I, I can't live with this, you know. So so yeah. that's sort of just yeah. I guess that's that's what's going on there. <laughs> yeah. I, that's something that I I talk about relatively frequently is like one of the hardest things for me and I think probably for most trans people is that there are all these dysphoric triggers and it's easy to kind of let them control you. And for me, I didn't even recognize the emotion that I was feeling as dysphoria for a long time because it was just like this constant kind of low level scream. The key has been for me to sort of see me in all of my faults and embrace it to some extent Yeah, to sort of realize like this for better and worse, this is what I've got. And there are things that I can change and there are things that I can't. And as much as it like hurts me that this is the way that I am, it's not going to help anybody for me to be like internally suffering for the rest of my life. And I have to come to terms in some way with the hand that I've got. Right. And it's really, it's, it's really hard to do. And it's also really hard to like tell a young trans person who's like hating what they see in the mirror, like, ah, buck up kiddo. You just, you just gotta grit your teeth and bear it. Right. Cause that's, that's not, that's not what it is at all, but it's, it, it, it is, it, it's so, it's so difficult. Like it's, it goes back to the kind of like deprogramming yourself. Well, and I also think that a big part of it is deprogramming internalized misogyny and stuff. Like, you know, yes. you have to, you have to stop thinking about women in that way. Like where you're like, well, women look a specific way. And it's like, well, what fucking way do women look, you know? Because like I go out yeah. and I see a million different types of women now and I'm like, fuck, they're all so brave. Like, look at them. Like they're, 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 if, if like they're doing great, you know, and women look like a variety of ways and it's wonderful. And like this one image of like what a woman looks like that, <laughs> that you have in your brain, you need to fucking throw that in the dumpster because that is not what yes. women are like. And so yeah. like that is a big, big difference. Immediately transitioning is like coming to terms with the fact that everything you think you know about women is actually bullshit. Yeah. So there's that. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, everybody. Future Sarah here. I just wanted to jump in, interrupt your fun listening session with a few quick plugs. So you obviously know I do a podcast because you're listening to the podcast right now. But did you also know that I do a YouTube show? It's called Let's Talk About Stuff. And I talk about stuff. It's uh, video essays where that happens. The most recent episode at the time of recording this future me bit is about the VR rhythm game Beat Saber. I'm working on videos about the comic Anya's Ghost, the works of the Wachowski siblings. I've got a very, very long series about Twin Peaks. So you can head over to youtube.com slash C slash Let's Talk About Stuff 
and watch some of that. Alternatively, you can go to patreon.com slash LTAS and get all kinds of updates and different things also related to this podcast. And I'll go over all of the exclusives and things at the end because I don't want to keep you here for too long. I will throw out one last little bit of thing. I have an email, trendsquestionpodcast at gmail.com. If you have questions or stories about basically anything, send me an email and maybe I'll read it on the show or talk about it or ignore it. So it's a, yeah, that that's how email works. So yeah. All right. Thank you for tolerating my interruption. Let's get back to this conversation. To kind of step away from okay. all of this, I just wanted to dish about something else. So, YouTuber uh, Patrick Willem. Oh yeah, I love uh, Patrick. Patrick H. Willem. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, he just put out a video about uh, called "Shut Up About Plot Holes," and I I really enjoyed that video. Uh, I think you and I both agree that a lot of contemporary film criticism on the internet these days is really bad uh <laughs> yeah just like overly overly focused on details that don't really matter yeah um so it, it's it's it was good to to see that focus yeah and i think like in the the perfect expression of how this all shakes out uh uh yms left a like a seven paragraph essay <laughs> in the comments I saw about it. how 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 dangerous this video is like he literally ends it like i think this sets a bad precedent for artists who put the work into their films to make them like logical and consistent and you're telling them that their work won't be valued uh he like he i i tried to read it all the way through and i could only just like pick out pieces because it was really insufferable in a lot of ways yeah uh, i mean but the, he sets up a he sets up a binary <laughs> between uh, like great artists make their work logically consistent and then hacks make like things that don't make sense, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. You know, that hack J.R.R. Tolkien, you know, like <laughs> fucking my, my immediate thought was like, where does David Lynch fit in this? Like his movies don't make a lick of sense no. except for the fact that like they're internally consistent, but they It's almost like we need to be looking at fucking art differently. Fuck. Like yeah. like the, the I was reading that comment and I was just like like my I would read a sentence and then I would be like, What a fucking baby? And then I would read another <laughs> line and I'd be like, What a fucking baby? Like what is what is yeah. this? What is this shit? Like Patrick's video is challenging memetics. There's a meme yes. about plot holes that somehow actually became considered legitimate criticism. But it doesn't matter to why we watch movies. That's yeah. not elitist. That's challenging a a thing that is reductive to understanding why we enjoy art. It's like fuck yeah. off with this the, the the and it's the same you know i i mean my curious cat has been blowing up with people that were like it's elitist it's really shitty and whatever and and i don't even fucking get where these people get this because i watched the video at the end of the video he yeah. jokes about how the punching in the video was maybe a little ridic like ridiculous um yeah. like like this is Patrick is very nuanced like he even admits that there are movie breaking plot holes in movies and that those 
can matter. And then logic, logical inconsistencies of internal character. You know, if, if somebody's like deathly afraid of buying a house and then, you know, unprompted later in the movie, they buy a house. It's like it's like that's yeah, that's a, a, a logic problem because because it doesn't follow an internal character logic, but it's not like like fuck movies are fantasies it's not why the movie is doesn't yeah, work i mean first off movies are fantasies second off yes movies are made by human beings not gods <laughs> like we need to yeah. fucking stop this like like i know if somebody makes a mistake in a movie like everybody jumps on their shit and it's like movies yeah. are made by people people who pick up yeah. cameras and put them in 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 elaborate rooms like like what in the fuck happened you know like you can't <laughs> help but look at look at all of this and be like what in the fuck happened like and yeah. patrick explains what the fuck happened and everybody's <laughs> mad cuz it's fucking true it's so good what yeah, what 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 blows my mind about everybody in the comments being like, oh, it's elitist, and he's like framing his opinion as objective and like shaming people for for you know being hung up on plot holes. It's like, so is somebody saying this movie sucks because of plot holes not being objective in their statement? Like, I feel like YMS's whole brand is built on. I mean, it's in the name. Your movie sucks. He's not stating an opinion. Right. He's like he's framing his his opinion as a fact. Yeah, fucker, and it, is the most authoritarian <laughs> film reviewer, and is like this video yeah. is rather authoritarian. <laughs> it's like get get, and he's like get off your high horse. It's like yeah, it's like you can you only see him on his high horse because you're on a much higher horse, Adam. You know, like don't don't even like fuck. <laughs> yeah, the idea that there's not room for like multiple frames of reference yeah. is so astounding. And I feel like he, he, he's probably the same kind of person who says like postmodernism uh, is is like one of the key problems. I, I That might be a bit of a reach for I don't for think YMS he knows what the fuck postmodernism is. Yeah, I mean, most people don't. This is the this is the person that said that before the film Citizen Kane was made, movies were just people dicking around with cameras. This is an actual fucking thing he said. I didn't know that. Yeah. See, I that's that's astounding to me because one of my like focuses is uh, silent film. Yeah. Which is like incredible and informs so much of film today. Yeah, yeah. And also, a lot of that stuff in silent film you're not going to find in Citizen Kane. No, no. It's it. It's a totally different language. Like it fuck. is. God damn it. Uh, yeah. It's very amusing to me seeing so many people point a finger at postmodernism and be like, postmodernism is ruining our ability to think about things because it's saying, you know, feminist theory is the only way to look at the world. Which is and funny because to- I don't even think that postmodernism is is particularly like a fem- like feminism and postmodernism have that big of a link. Well, the thing is, like postmodernism, the whole point is that it's breaking down reality and saying like there are an infinite number 
number of perspectives and there is no like objective truth. Right. And everybody disagrees about what the definition of postmodernism is. But feminist theory, queer theory, race theory, all of these things are like fundamentally postmodernist. I see. Because they're like questioning the the basic like approach that we have, like the assumption that we have going into how we criticize things. The idea of it is to challenge our base assumptions. I get it. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. So like the idea that it's like postmodernism is selling us these like fundamental theories when the whole point of postmodernism is there aren't any is such a perfect encapsulation of how so many people like they're not they don't know what they're talking about. And like I, th- I think like everybody's like p- opinions are valid. You don't need to know what postmodernism is to like have a valid opinion about a movie, right? Uh, but it, I think it, 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 it comes back to this like weird sort of hive mind thing where everybody kind of just wants to dogpile whatever it is the people that they like say they should dogpile. Yeah, I don't know. I, I really liked Patrick's videos and I like them uh, for the same reason that I like uh, like Shannon Strucci's videos yeah. and your videos. I am so, so sick of the ethos of let's tear this show or this movie a new asshole and like just just show how bad it is because all of the things that are wrong with it. Yeah. When. For me, the the the, dif- the more difficult thing to articulate is why you love something because, like, our feeling of of why we like something is almost pre conscious. It's something that we don't. It just it's like a, it's like a muscle it, reflex. Yeah, it, it requires actual self reflection. Like you have to have a conversation with yourself, which nobody actually really wants to do. You know, like the last thing that people ever want to talk about is them or talk to, you know, the last person that someone would want to really think about is who they are fundamentally and like why they have their emotional reactions to things, you know? Um, No, I mean, I, yeah, I mean, I totally agree. But there's another thing is like this idea of vulnerability. People don't want to be vulnerable, um, especially guys who are, you know, in their twenties, you know, or whatever. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it, it's, it's a lot more than just that, but, but like vulnerability is, is, is scary, but it's, it's necessarily scary. I think that the best like writers in, in my, uh, wheelhouse, I mean, I don't even know if I would say wheelhouse, but like people that I have read that I, I connect with in a big way are the people that are willing to, even if they're like totally wrong, uh, uh, or something they're still willing to like be vulnerable like be vulnerable with 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 what they think and who they are you know like hunter s thompson yeah hunter s thompson is is you know a monster <laughs> yeah <laughs> but he's self-reflexively a monster like he will say these things to you about what he thinks and who he is and all of that unapologetically he will make himself vulnerable so that we can self-reflect about him because that's like that's one of the big points i think of of what makes like really connective writing is like connecting with someone's perspective and and like rejecting the idea of perspective in and of itself you know is 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 fucking stupid it's like it it is prevents 
it prevents any sort of real dialogue about what any of this was about in the first place. Like, like you want to tell me something is objectively good or bad. And I think that like, I think regardless of whether something is objectively good or bad, it goes beyond that into this like realm of like, well, that's not even really that much of a conversation that you're having. You're just, you're just, no, you're just arguing some standard. It's, it's like, it's like, what does it mean to you? And they will never answer yeah. you because they don't know how, you know? Yeah. And, and so, but, but here's a hot take. I, I think that, that another reason why Adam and a lot of people online are really mad at Patrick for this particular thing, um, beyond the, the idea of vulnerability and beyond all this stuff is, um, because they're in a position to financially benefit on things not changing. They benefit financially from the status quo remaining the exact same as it is every all the time. Why would they change? You know, why would change is hard? And I have to think, you know, they'd have to, they'd have to really think about themselves. And just like that thing with vulnerability, they don't want to self reflect. So it's much easier to just yell at, at, you know, think about the, the, I don't know if you saw the thing with the quiet place where, um, where like YMS put out this, this video about the quiet place and it was just filled with a bunch of bullshit. And, uh, so yeah. he followed up on it and he was like, he was like, actually, you guys are just asking too much of me and it's fun to make fun of movies and I should be able to do it. But also the movie was bad anyway. So basically fuck you. If you criticize me, you know, that kind of attitude. And it's, yeah. And it's like, there it is again, this yes. idea of yeah. I'm not going to self-reflect. I'm not going to think about myself in, in, in a way that isn't exactly what I already think. Cause it's hard and it's scary, but like, yeah, you have to fucking be vulnerable to make some connective stuff. Like I think, yeah, yeah, uh, no, I agree. I, agree. I mean, it's fun to, to think today, about could... where things came from or whatever, like film history or whatever. That's, that's fine. But, but like, if you're going to give me your perspective, give me your perspective, you know, but, but anyways, yes. yeah, go, yeah, go ahead <laughs> to the, to the economic point. One of the things that I observed, uh, I used to be a big fan of, of Adam, um, uh, or I liked I liked his videos a lot anyway. Yeah. Uh, just because I felt like there that was a level of 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 criticism that I hadn't seen before, and I also really liked his videos about uh, Synecdoche, New York, and I think it's really telling that he still hasn't finished that series. Has he not? I didn't know uh, that. And no. No, he still hasn't finished it. And it's, you know, every episode is, takes, you know, ages and ages. And it's like those videos don't get the clicks. And I think that there is like a, a something really to be said about how like a brand crystallizes where his show is called Your Movie Sucks. Nobody goes to a show called Your Movie Sucks to hear about a movie that doesn't suck. Right. It's almost like it's not financially benefiting him to make that video over these other videos that he's making. It, yeah, ex- exactly. And, and and if you want to talk about like a, a hilarious oversight, like he made that video about how bad the visit is. And he said that the problem with the visit is that it's a joyless movie that has no point. Well, and he, he, he literally says in the video, I don't understand why someone would make a movie that was so joyless and without a point. 
he says in his video that is joyless and has no point in on his yeah. YouTube channel that is joyless and has no point. Like, yeah, fucking come on. Yeah. Like, like look in the mirror. A bit. Really? Yeah. I mean, fuck. <sighs> There, there, there comes to a point like it's fine to not like movies. I dislike a lot of movies, and sometimes I'll I'll poke the hornet's nest because I I enjoy being a contrarian from time to time. But I don't understand why people feel such a need to like weigh in on everything. Yeah, and I think when you build your channel around like I just remo- review all the movies, you get into a point where you have your like house style of this is how I approach movies. People are coming to me because they want me to to tear this thing apart. And it doesn't matter what the movie is. Nobody wants to go there to hear like, oh, this movie was really good and I liked it a lot. And it's like, you know, you don't have to have an opinion about every fucking movie. Some movies are just meh and you can just let them go. Yeah. Some movies weren't made for you, and that's fine. Right. Good art is is not is exclusive, in my yeah. opinion. Like a, a movie that is all things for all people is like a perfectly smooth, gray orb that looks the same from every direction. Like the best films are films that like not everybody loves because they're made for for a specific audience, and that's what art is about in my right. opinion and and well and, and to kind of bounce off so the sort of like objective approach is the idea is that culture that doesn't appreciate or um or decry things that are objectively good or bad um you know are st- it's it's bad it's stupid like people think like <laughs> the opinion is that people who don't like this movie because this movie is objectively good are stupid or people that yeah. People that dislike uh people that don't dislike this movie uh because of its objective uh badness are stupid. You know, it's this idea of of like I have seen through the lens and I I know the uh the truth about the world. You know, it's it's like some sort of sociological proof about how um you know how culture is inherently dumb. You know, I I don't buy it. <laughs> I I think I think yeah. it's I think it's a horseshit. I I don't buy it. I think that I think that people generally, you know, I guess it's a conversation about whether or not people are generally intelligent. But I think intelligence often is articulation. Intelligence is is yeah. this like mask of being able to talk. But a lot of people are intelligent. Um, in an, in, in an emotional sense without even knowing it. And it's kind of like how people speak the language of film without knowing it. Um, you know, people can watch just about any movie and follow along. Um, and they don't, they, they have no idea how they do that, you know, uh, because it's this complicated, ridiculous art form that we've just sociologically become, uh, immersed in, you know? And so like, I don't know. I think that, I think that movies mean stuff to people in a certain way without them being able to articulate it. So even if a movie is objectively bad, maybe it connects with culture and maybe there's a reason why it connected with culture that is actually meaningful and gives the movie value outside of some sort of objective truth uh, about, um, about value, you know? Well, yeah, like, 
Plan Nine from Outer Space and and The Room are uh, a lot of people would say they're objectively terrible movies, and yet we know what they are, and they get shown in theaters all the time. Yeah. So what does that say? Right. Uh, and, and and then there's like movies like Blade Runner is a film that uh, was was critically panned and financially unsuccessful in its time. There are a bunch of movies like that. Uh, it's a Wonderful Life was like that. Yeah. And now we see them as like objectively great when at the time everybody thought they were meh. Right. It's like it's not as cut and dry as as all right. that. And the other thing is like, you know, just where you are in your life, like. Like I kind of I think I kind of talk about this in the Eraserhead video, but like Eraserhead means something totally different to 16 year old me to 21 year old me and to me today. And it probably means something totally different to me in four or five years. And I'm going to like the movie or dislike the movie differently as my life goes on, because and and that's one example. But that's every movie. That's like every movie is like that. You know, um, I was just having a conversation about Nightmare Before Christmas, like with someone. And I said that, like, when I was a kid, I thought it was a perfect thing. You know, I thought it was amazing because yes. it was this movie that stood up for my values. You know, it, it stood up for um, for the weird stuff. And it it um, it was a movie about being true to yourself and um, yeah. being dissatisfied with the world, but staying true to yourself anyway. And it was like this movie about um, being weird and that being, you know, totally cool in in a world they build a world where being weird is part of it but it's also like now i think about it and i i go well obviously that's that's great that i thought that but here's another thing is like it's also a movie about how all these people are weird but they're still a bad guy you know they're still you know a person that's that's weird in a bad way and a person who's a monster in a world of people that are monsters um, which is, you know, it's, I mean, I'm not saying it's a fascism parable or whatever, but it is an idea of, into- you know, in uh, not tolerating intolerance, you know, it's like that, oh, yeah. that one particular character is, it was so intolerable that they cast him into a big hole in the ground and then eventually they killed him. You know, it's like, you know, this, so that's, <laughs> that's an angle. And then, but I also think that the relationship at the end of the movie between Sally and Jack is kind of bullshit. Like now that I think back on it, it in hindsight, I'm like, I'm like, she, like, he does not deserve her. And I do no. not know why she likes him. Like, like in any yeah. sort of way. I mean, he's like, he's a, an oblivious uh dingus of a of a skeleton man really <laughs> i think so i don't know i mean that's a that's he a is. hot take and i understand that that's like probably horseshit uh and a lot of people will think that it's no, silly I, I think i agree and like there's another point to be made that's like you can't mix the races everybody's got their place oh, and yeah. it's better if they stick stick where oh, they are oh god yeah i didn't even fucking think about that well like <laughs> well, like and, and uh and shrek um shrek is is possibly uh about um having to conform to someone else's race to to like be with them uh because interracial yeah. dating is complicated um but i i think that that's a a failing of the metaphor just sort of uh incidentally i don't think that's intentional but um no but, but y- you get what i'm saying though that like movies drastically change in meaning as you drastically change as a person and So like fucking talking about the objective truths of something, they, it doesn't, 
it just it leaves so much to be desired because I want to get to know people as a person. I want when I watch YouTube videos of people talking about film, I could give a fuck less if the movie is great or bad or if it's a movie I'm interested in or if it's a movie I'm not interested in or, you know, anything of that nature. I want to get to know the person because every movie related video is not just a commercial for the fucking movie. Yeah. It's about the person. And like with a lot of YouTube stuff, stuff that I really disconnect with it, like it it does feel oftentimes like it is either a commercial or it's taste making. It's like this is I'm curating my my taste. I think that this stuff is low and bad and I think this stuff is high and good. You know, it's this this idea of like I'm going to display to the world how very smart I am and how very uh, cultured <laughs> uh, and thoughtful I am, where I think that the most the stuff that that gets me thinking the most is like like movies with Mikey and stuff like that, where it's just it's just yes. somebody talking about why they like something. And it makes you think yeah. about yourself and your life and they talk about their life and their human qualities and you digest it. You know, I could, you know, yeah. back when I watched YMS, I could watch his entire body of work back to back. No problem. Yeah. But with with Mikey's videos, like movies with Mikey, I watch one. I'm good for a week. You know, I'll go back later. But I yeah. want to sit and digest and think about what he's saying here. I want to think yes. about his perspective. It's not just junk food. You know, it's yeah. it's it's like a real emotional powerhouse connection that you're making with somebody through a computer screen. Like you're actually connecting with somebody. And it's like, ah, oh, that's yeah. I wish that that's what it all was. I guess. Yeah, it's it's yeah. It seems to be on the rise a little bit. I mean, you know, Mikey is one of the he's a pretty successful yeah. YouTuber at this point. Oh, I don't know. I feel like a lot it's in the air. It feels like a lot of people are are getting kind of sick of this, you know, thing about objectivity cuz I feel the same dissatisfaction. Yeah. Like, great. There is a camera shadow in this shot. There was a plot hole here. Tell me how it feels. Yeah, what does it mean? You know, it's like, what yeah. does this mean to you? You know, uh, what do you think about it? You know, what do you what do you think about yeah. it? You know, what do you feel about yes. it? It's like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, that's like, yeah, that's this whole mess. I'm I'm currently, well, like, well, like, so there's this one thing where there's been this giant oversight in my channel. I think, um, I constantly am thinking about. YouTube uh, and what I've done um, and like my strengths and weaknesses like that's something I'm very concerned with uh, and you know I, I feel like I have failed in a lot of ways but I feel like I've also succeeded in a lot of ways and I feel like I've changed in a lot of ways and and uh, that's the most important thing is just the fact that you're changing but yeah but like there's kind of this huge oversight because I've been hiding the trans stuff in videos for a long time, a long time. 
you go watch any of these old videos and you can kind of see the uh, sort of egg cracking in there. But 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 the <laughs> biggest one is fucking in plain sight. And that's the Halloween stuff. It's like all oh, like yeah. the aesthetic like like no, I'm not saying that Halloween is in, in aesthetically and inherently trans, but that's that's what my next video is going to be about is like what is Ooh. like why Halloween has this like real cultural connection with me and a lot of people and like why the Halloween aesthetic. And it's like it's a self-evaluation more than anything, but it's like, why did I choose to do this? Why am I so interested in that? Yeah, I mean, Halloween is one of the only like socially acceptable venues for people to experiment with gender exactly. Expression. And think about this: Halloween is one day a year that people can do that. <laughs> one day a year, but as time has gone on, Halloween start uh, Halloween stuff starts to go on sale a little earlier. More people are out shopping for it. People get excited about it all year round, and then you know you you talk to people and they're like, uh. How I just I just do Halloween stuff all the time and and whatever you know and you start to go what is it about that idea of that that freedom from whatever that social constraint of how we're supposed to look and how we're supposed to be how we're supposed to talk and walk and dress all of that shit is thrown yeah. out the window for this one day but what if that one day was every day because because yeah. the reality is that insult of why are you dressed up? It looks like, you know, are you, it's not Halloween. Why are you dressed up? Like that kind of thing. Why do you always dress like it's Halloween? That, that whole thing, that insult yeah. is inherent to the idea of like being a transgender person because every single day you have to consider the performance, you know, you have to consider Absolutely. and, and especially being in the closet because you have to rigorously defend your social position and like not challenge anything too much. And it's a source of constant anxiety, but upon like coming out, it, it literally does feel like the freedom of Halloween is every day. It's like, it, yes. we can embrace that feeling every fucking day of, I get to dress <laughs> however I fucking want I get to I get yeah. to talk and walk however the fuck I want. And, it, you know, like, obviously, I have to deal with the social implications of that. But on Halloween, it's just living. Yeah. Which is yeah, which is wild. I don't know. So that's uh, that's sort of what I'm doing now. <laughs> yeah. No, that's that's a really good observation. I'm excited to see uh, how you expand on that. I'm going to call it every day is Halloween, I think. But I, I haven't started writing anything for it yet. I'm still kind of in the I like my process is like I really like to talk about my ideas for like a week or two before I actually yeah. sit down and start writing them because I don't want to, you know, miss something or whatever. So, yeah, that's that's, that's sort of um, where I'm at now. But at the same time, I mean, I've just got this new apartment, so I've been I've been designing the apartment for videos and putting up lights and putting up shit mm. on the walls and building furniture yeah. and doing that whole thing, buying a lot of lamps, I guess. Um, so getting yeah. shit ready for that. I mean, I'm in the same position. Oh, really? Yeah. 
uh, setting up my room as a studio oh, cool. to try to be more ambitious with my videos. Yeah. I mean, it's very freeing. It's very fun. Um, I, I love yeah. designing, but that, that gives me the opportunity to kind of think about it a little bit longer because I can be working on doing that. Yeah. And, and then, uh, when I sit down to write, you know, the, the thoughts will hopefully are already all be there. So, but anyway, yeah. So that's something that's happening. Um, hopefully it's cool. I think it will be. I, I tend to, I tend to like your videos, oh, so cool. I think you'll do a good job yeah, of that. Thanks. Well, I mean, I'm not going to have you on my show and be like, I think your, your videos are kind of shit. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I feel like that's like I've we've uh, we've talked long enough. Yeah. Um, where can people find you on this on this wonderful internet of this ours? Internet TM. Um, I'm on Twitter. You can just look. You can look up at next few years or Mayleets. Um, I'm on YouTube. I've just I just today started a uh, a personal channel just for like vlogs and stuff. So uh, look up next few years on YouTube if you want my like crafted content. Um, but I'm, I have a personal channel that's just Mayleets, so you can find me there. Um, okay. and that's, yeah, I'm on Instagram. I don't know. I'm on, I'm on the social media, but, but mostly, uh, you know, Twitter and, uh, YouTube are my, are my homes. So you can find me there. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me. I really enjoyed this conversation. Yeah, it was really good. Yeah. And if you ever want me on again sometime, you know, just hit me up. Like, I like, I love, I love being on podcasts. It's fun. Yeah, it is fun. Yeah. And I got to do some significant self-reflection about my identity, which is always good. <laughs> yes. That's the yeah. goal. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll, uh, fuck it. We'll just call okay, it. Okay. <laughs> that was that i hope you enjoyed it i do have a couple of quick notes that i wanted to throw in here i know this episode is already extremely long but it's so long at this point i might as well first part in the second half of this conversation i used the phrase tear it a new asshole uh i am not happy that i used that i tried to cut it out when i was editing but it didn't really flow well that's not usually the kind of like expression that I like to use in conversation, but it slips in because we're all troubled, problematic people on this earth. So I just wanted to apologize for using that turn of phrase, and I realized that it's not great. Not not super good. The other thing that I wanted to clarify is when we were talking about postmodernism, and uh, I, I said something along the lines of, you know, you don't need to know what postmodernism is to have an opinion about a movie, but there are people who, like, you know, clearly don't know what they're talking about when it comes to postmodernism. So I wanted to clarify this because it's really important to me that I don't, like, espouse a lot of, like, elitist film criticism or media criticism ideas. When somebody shares an opinion that s someone else doesn't like, they tend to be like, well, you've never made a movie, so how can you criticize? And that's obviously, like, a you don't know what you're talking about sort of criticism. So I just want to state explicitly that that's a nonsense argument because most people don't make the things that they like and their opinions are valid. What I specifically mean is that when somebody talks about postmodernism as like a negative or even as a positive as a thing in relation to media, they ought to at least know what they're talking about. Postmodernism is a very specific thing, even as it's 
very gray and amorphous, and a lot of people disagree about its like specifics in definitional terms. But when people say that postmodernism is like a solid narrative that is espousing a specific message to the world, that's just flat out wrong. And those people don't know what they're talking about. And that's what I mean, is that that indicates a certain level of assumption on their part. And that's the sort of thing that they ought to research. And it's frustrating that they don't understand. And, you know, it's a common misconception. I mean, even May was unclear about the actual specific definition of postmodernism. And I'm somebody who's done a lot of research into that because I have nothing better to do with my life or time. And it's by no means essential or even particularly useful knowledge. It's just from a point of language, it's important to be like accurate and clear. So again, it's not important that you know what postmodernism is. You don't need to have an academic basis in theory to have a valid opinion about any piece of media. But if you're going to talk about terms or ideas that you don't necessarily have a complete grasp on or that they're just something that you've kind of brushed across like in passing, it's better to either do research and have at least kind of a basic understanding of what that idea is or just leave it out. Because if you don't really have that base of knowledge, then it's probably not contributing very much to your argument. Anyway, those are all the asterisks that I have for this episode that I can think of. Who knows what I'll have to say next week. Thank you for listening to this incredibly long episode. I hope that you enjoyed it. Once again, I'll say you can support me over at patreon.com slash LTAS. Uh, $1 patrons get all sorts of updates about progress on my various projects. $5 patrons get access to my notes and scripts and various other materials for all of my videos, as well as a few exclusive things, including a 15-minute excerpt from my conversation with Shannon Strucci a few weeks ago. And then, of course, $10 patrons get their names read aloud in the credits of my videos. I'm also trying to figure out some other ways to include the podcast into the Patreon, so if you have any suggestions there, you can leave a comment on one of my posts over at Patreon, or you can send me an email at trainsquestioningpodcast at gmail.com. Gosh, so much self-promotion, all of these things that I have to advertise. Other than that, like and share and do those things. You know how podcasts work. You know this rigmarole. You've listened to shit like this before. Anyway, thanks as always for listening, and I'll see you again next week with other less dual conversation, more monosation. What? That's, wow, that's not even, that doesn't make any sense at all. Ugh, whatever. Whatever.